This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Second Wind, we continue the conversation with Morgana Ray on how she started on her path to coaching off from a flyer, which has been another commonality for a bunch of the women who have been on the podcast where they saw a magazine, happened to flip open to a page, there was this thing, and they decided to go for it. And, and Morgana Ray's thing is the same, which I think is really neat. So her story picks up where we left off. And the woman she knew recommended this coaching course and she was handed this flyer. And that's the only reason she did it was because this woman she knew recommended it. Otherwise, she was just going to ignore it. So she said, why not? And how she then turned everything around for herself, the twists and turns, and then how she met and fell in love with her now husband. And now the final part of this is she's getting married in a hundred different countries, a hundred times, kind of cool concept. And the reason why will surprise you. So enjoy the second half of Morgana Ray's episode. I had opinions about my coach in that program, <laughs> by the way, who's been my friend for like the last 30 years. I have a much higher opinion of her as a coach now than I did then, uh, in case she's watching. But it's also totally, totally true because my early style of coaching was um, like overprotective, overinvolved mom. I know there's a term for that. I don't remember if it's tiger or helicopter. Or I don't I don't know what that helicopter, is. But, helicopter. OK, yeah, I was the helicopter mom coach calling everybody nagging for them to take action. And over the course of doing it multiple times, I found that the more I was the sort of just jaded, call me if you need me, coach, the better their results were. Okay. Less but I did friendly. notice, even from the very, very first time that I coached a group of actors, writers, producers, and directors who wanted to build their careers, they were booking TV series, winning awards, selling films. Uh, some of them have become big movie stars, big producers. And I had like a magic touch, a knack for making the right connections and helping people and also very, very good at coming up with like marketing words. Gotcha. Uh, the language to you're a cross between this and this, and here's how to market yourself or your film or your directing or your music or whatever. And I'm friends with so many people from way back when. And while I was doing this, people started writing films for me and plays for me and casting me and things without my asking, just because I was coming from this place of helping other people. And then I would go to Sundance with a bunch of girlfriends for fun. And we would meet all these people who are like huge now, but weren't then. And we would just like get into parties, get other people into parties and just make friends. And then I would go back to L.A. and have a reunion party. And I would go, well, you're a director and you did that great film and you're a producer. Talk and fall in love, make movies. And I would just pair people up like that for fun. And then they would start writing stuff for me. And then I had this, year, which, by the way, that was delightful. Yeah. But I also had this year of being really, really good at auditioning. Like I finally like figured it out. 
Yeah. And the problem was I ended up liking the audition better than the jobs I was booking. (laughs) And that's not good. And I was, and I was, because I always wanted to be able to say I was working because I was also insecure and being an actress has a, you know, strong tendency to bring out your most narcissistic, insecure, horrible tendencies in me anyway. I was taking horrible movies that I never wanted anybody to see. So please don't. <laughs> don't. Don't Google. Yeah, don't, don't. 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 Please. And after about a year of that, I was so unhappy and miserable. And I didn't like who I was as an actress. I had a bad attitude and I didn't like what it brought out in me. I didn't like myself. But I liked myself when I was helping other people and I liked the relationships. And I really got excited about getting on board for other people's dreams. And that was when I decided to become a coach because the things that I did love about acting are things like collaboration, empathy. I loved the act of especially a really flawed human being. I loved I loved the flaws of characters. And so there's this experience of love and compassion and transformation and the collaboration between people and understanding the human experience. And then you translate that into coaching and I get to keep all the good stuff and be honest about my age and weigh whatever the heck I weigh. (laughs) And I don't have to be nice to people who aren't nice. I don't have to deal with them at all. So the purpose of acting was to move me into coaching. Absolutely. Part of the flagstone to get you to where you are now. And then when did the, so you started coaching and you were seeing success, but you were not raking in the money. How, How did you then decide to write a book? Okay, so I had that conversation with my coach. With your coach, okay. So and the coach I came and kind of got rid of the money monster. Yeah. Replaced him with my money, honey. Four people called me at the very next day and hired me out of the blue. The very Four next people. day. Yeah, the very next day. I wasn't doing anything different than I'd been doing all along. I was sending out newsletters since November of 2002 and wasn't making a dime. And I was like on the verge of, can't stopping doing electronic newsletters. Now everybody has one, but at the time it was like the new thing to do. And the day after my coaching session, four people responded to some newsletter thing that I sent out and hired me for double what I'd ever charged before. And they, they kept coming I kept getting more and more clients because I would get, you know, a speaking gig here. or I would send out another email to my list. And at the time I was sending one a month because I was so afraid of bothering anybody. And I kept getting more and more clients and I was getting waiting lists and starting groups. And the book happened because my coaching school, being the person who had way, way, way too many certifications. So I'm a certified coactive coach, professional coactive coach, and a certified master practitioner of neurolinguistic programming and a certified trainer of neurolinguistic programming and of Ericksonian hypnosis and of coactive relationship coaching and on and on and on and on from all those years of, well, if I only get this skill, then I can charge. And it really wasn't charging is not really connected with The skill of making money is not the same skill as coaching and delivering service. And I had to find a way to connect the two. So I'm now, you know, speaking publicly and, oh, so the coaching school sent out a request for how, what innovative ways are you using relationship coaching? And I thought, well, I'm coaching relationship with this completely imaginary person that we're calling money. And I wrote an article and it blew up in the in the coaching world. It was like, oh, my God. And actually, dark side of it is people started cutting and pasting and putting their name on it and plagiarizing me. Oh, no, it's a thing that happens. I 
So now I have attorneys. Um, But it let me know that people wanted this. Yes. It felt like the universe picked me up by the scruff of my neck like a little kitten and said, this is what we're doing. And I made a decision that this niche would give me permission to do everything I really want to do. And this is for any of you who are coaches or healers or any kind of service provider. You have your pain door. The thing that makes you weird. I like to say your wealth is in your weirdness. We are drowning in like this vanilla background noise of sameness, which is another reason don't copy anybody else. Don't lead with your Reiki. Don't lead with your law of attraction. Don't lead with anything that they can buy from somebody else. I was just coaching a client on, you know, she, one of her skills is Akashic Records. It's not her only skill. And if she's competing on the Akashic Records level, somebody could buy that from anybody. It becomes like McDonald's, the franchise. So my pain door is what do I do weirdest? This relationship with money. And I have these ridiculously dramatic client results of clients making tens of thousands of dollars within a day. And then that became hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now I have examples of millions of dollars of clients making millions of dollars very quickly, sometimes within days of having the shift. So I wrote this article, got this this response. And I made a decision that money is my pain door. Okay. Because it's really what I coach is not about money. Like if I'm coaching somebody over a long period, we, I will coach the person on their business. I will coach them on putting together packages and offers and what to charge and, and uh, marketing. Cause I love marketing. That's fun. But the real results come from that inner shift. So we always start with that. Because that's what gives permission for the rest. And because what I'm really coaching is not money, but it's love, worth, and safety. Mm-hmm. And your relationship with life. When I talk about relationship with money, it's really code for relationship with life and relationship with love and relationship with yourself. Because what else is there? Yeah. So it's, so I get to do all the fun stuff. They think they're coming for money. And then once they're in the door, all the other stuff comes up. And that's the stuff I'm passionate about. Everything that has to do with love, lifestyle, and legacy. Those are the things that make human beings happy. That's the important stuff. And the purpose of money is only to serve love, lifestyle, and legacy. Anything else is just fear-based and becomes perverse and causes drama. That is so well said. Oh my gosh. It's such a good way to look at it. Thank you. Crazy good. Oh, wow. Okay. So the book, yeah, I got a big speaking gig. Yeah. Speaking gig. So, you know, back to the law of attraction people and all their like positive vibing and stuff like that. I am very good at manifesting by whining. So I found out that a bunch of friends were speaking at this thing called the Conscious Life Expo at the L.A. airport. I never heard about it, but they had booths and they were speaking. And my instant react and it was coming up really quick. And my instant reaction was, but I want to speak at the Conscious Life Expo. I want a booth. What about me? (laughs) And. Within hours, I got a call from my publicist saying, you have a free booth and you're speaking at the Conscious Life Expo. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And that happened with my first TV interview, too. It was I was on my book tour and I found out somebody was being interviewed on ABC in Sacramento. And I was like, but I want to be interviewed on TV. And then I got a call that day that they had a cancellation the next morning and I needed to drive to Sacramento. So I get this Conscious Life Expo gig. And you remember my life pattern is, yay, oh, fuck. <laughs> all I had to sell was coaching. And that's like proposing marriage on the first date to everybody, which is too much. Yeah. You don't know that you want to coach everybody. And it's a little creepy. 
(laughs) That's probably a very daunting idea that you're going to be interviewed. That that you're like, that you're asking for such a giant commitment, you know, have a second date, give, give them a way to take you home without taking you home. So I thought, oh, I need something. And I had been developing this self-coaching system for myself that I'd been using my own daily practices for a couple of years. And I found that by doing a few things a day and setting these goals, especially the goal that is completely out of my power, my favorite goal is, you know, just uh, is the ask the universe for help goal. So I love to have three levels of goals. There's the sure thing that, yeah, I know I would do it anyway. The stretch Okay, I'm 80% sure that I can accomplish this. So it's going to grow me and push me bigger to go for it. And then there's the, oh, fuck, I can't do this. This is up to you. Help. Okay. (laughs) I'll take my actions, but the results are like completely out of my control. And I don't know how this is going to happen. And those would be the ones that would happen first. So I kept overachieving my goals for the year using my own little system. So I had been toying with the idea of packaging it anyway. So my first version of my book was, and and I still have this format. The first half of the book is the book part. Here's how to change your relationship with money. Here's how to keep your relationship with money on track. Here's what may come up that you need to know. Here are some other things to help you along, you know, some tools. So the first okay. half is like personal development book book. Okay. And that's the financial alchemy part. Then the second half is the 12 months of magic and manifestation, which is my own little kind of magic and manifestation system that I still use. Mm-hmm. And I put that together and that's how the book came was, it was completely generated from Yay. Oh, fuck. I have two weeks. And I was selling my book within two weeks. I do really, really well with a panic and a deadline. I went on a book tour and I started getting interviewed by big radio shows and TV shows with my own little self-published by off. My publisher was Office Max for a bunch of years. Oh, my gosh. And I'm still and I'm traveling across the country and I'm traveling to other countries speaking and selling my little, you know, Office Max published book. And then in 2012, I picked up the world's biggest literary agent for personal development nonfiction writers, represents Eckhart Tolle and Marie Kondo and all these big people. And he wanted me to write a book proposal. And if you don't know, book proposals are scary beasts. They're like 60 or 70 pages. They are books themselves. And I didn't want to do it. So I made a decision. Another yayo fuck. I have an agent. Fuck. (laughs) So I made a decision that if I had a book launch of my existing book and I got it published really pretty and professionally with Ingram, perfect bound, like a grown up where it's printed all over the world. And if a, and bookstores can order it and some and if people don't buy it, they can return it. If I launched that book and became a number one bestseller, nobody would notice that I was really procrastinating. Oh, my God. <laughs> So that's what I did. Oh gosh. Okay. And it, and it became, and it was such a fun experience to me. It was like a party of being this, you know, evangelizing what I already believe that if you aren't getting the results you want, it's because you're simply protecting yourself. You got to block and change happens at the speed of safety. So let's make it more than safe. Let's make this safe and make it love you. And so I was just preaching that for six months, had the book launch. It became number one mover and shaker in all categories on Amazon and number one in a bunch of categories in the UK and Canada became number one in Germany, even though it's only in English, number two in Italy, number three in France. 
later number one in Australia. And that was just kind of the frosting. And nobody noticed that I was just avoiding a book proposal. (laughs) You just sent them your book. Yeah, I just sold my book. I just sold sold my book, made a ridiculous amount of money. And why reinvent the wheel? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. I will, you know, I think, I think it's been 10 years. Yeah. And I have new material. I teach my money goddess retreat. And that's a whole next level curriculum that came out of, I had all these clients who had money honeys instead of money monsters. And I noticed a pattern, especially with women, that as soon as money was no longer the bad guy, what shows up? And the next thing that shows up is love. Okay. Always, always, always love. Their primary love relationship, whether they have one or they don't. Relationships with family, relationships, relationships with themselves, you know, their relationship with their body and their beauty and all that kind of Aphrodite stuff. And then what shows up victim experiences and life purpose. That is the goddess Persephone. I'm a religion major. I think this way. What are they, you you know, the setting healthy boundaries. That's the goddess Hecate. Uh, Setting goals. And ambition, that is the goddess of the hunt. That's Artemis. Having a sisterhood, that's more Artemis. Athena, the strategy, the, the you know, big world changer, the visionary. And then Lakshmi, the goddess of abundance, of it all. Abundance in love, abundance in, in life purpose and generosity, abundance uh, in like wealth and prosperity. So I put together this pantheon and this program that always always begins with slaying the monster and transforming this monster into love and that's the story of psyche and eros but i use it with your money monster and your money honey and i started leading these retreats which is my favorite thing in the world to do like if you're gonna leave the house you might as well go to bali i mean why not yeah i don't (laughs) want to go to an office i want to go to bali And have these like itty bitty, teeny tiny micro groups where I get to coach every woman individually through this process and then whatever else she needs for a week, like total access, whatever you need, I'm here for you. And oh, by the way, we're in Bali and we're going to like experience Bali. It's not a tourism trip because they come for the coaching but we are going to, there are going to be rice patties. There's going to be delicious food. There's going to be Balinese culture, temples, mystic healers, because it's fun. But and the first job is making sure that around? everybody, oh, what? I'm sorry. Do you lead people around and do you have like a, a, a curriculum that you're doing or I schedule? It's a very loose schedule. Yeah. It has to be because every time I coach somebody, it's different. Okay. One person can be 45 minutes. One person can be two or three hours. Mm-hmm. We're all in the group. Everybody's pulling together. And what's really fun is, so I'm coaching one woman through a really horrible monster and she's ready to destroy it. And I can see her making a fist because she's going to stab it. That's her weapon of choice. Like, you know, some people have lights, lightsabers and some people have machetes or volcanoes or atom bombs or fiery pits or sharks or whatever. You know, it doesn't you get to make it up because it's you. Right. But this one woman was like grabbing for a knife for this like really big, scary, awful monster of life experience. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw every woman in the circle grab a knife because they were all committed to this monster being destroyed. Wow. And I find that we can go deeper and faster with that collective focus. And every woman is going through it vicariously. So each woman has her turn on the hot seat, but there sometimes are places that we go when we're not on the hot seat and we aren't having the focus on us where it's like they can dig up and destroy a new layer of money monster that they didn't know they had. So they're going through it deeper over and over and over again. And it's, it's honestly my number one millionaires maker and other things happen. Like my, my client, Catherine, 
who was putting together a seven figure deal on the last day on her phone while we were waiting for, you know, this amazing royal healer who unfortunately passed away last year. So that's not going to happen again. But and there are other stories there. But so two weeks, two weeks after she returned home from Bali. She met her first husband. She was already 55 and she met her husband two weeks after going home because every money monster is a love monster, too, because money and love, you can't separate the two. And they are, you know, this was back in 2016. So they're they're still happy. They're still in their honeymoon. She came back and assisted me the next year and then stopped in some other Asian, I think, Thailand on her way home to choose lace for her wedding dress. Oh, that's neat. So, yeah, that's that's my drug of choice. I keep doing it just because I fall so in love with each group of women that I have to do it again just to get over the last group and stop being that crazy ex-girlfriend coach. Oh, that's funny. And you also love to travel. And your husband, who you believe you kind of came up with from your own experiences. Well, I slayed my love monster. Right. When I was 45. After 45 years of a perfect track record of romantic failure. Yay. (laughs) And I say that because it only takes one, you know, Mm -hmm. so if you're there and you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s, and you're like, it'll never work for me because look at my history. Romantic failure is the is is the default. Because you're not supposed to pair up with everybody you meet. And we get smarter as we get older. And I was, it was another one of those really annoying cases where I was doing everything you're supposed to do. I was taking all the classes with the best teachers. And I even had a certification in relationship coaching myself. Right. And, <laughs> and I did luck out in that I was sort of inducted into the Southern California clique of relationship coaches, even though they were coaching relationships with real people. And I was coaching relationship with money. A lot of them had like money issues. <laughs> so I'd yeah. help them with that. And they'd help me with my online dating profile. Oh my God. Which helps. But so I, it finally came down to, oh crap. It's that same damn story. I'm doing everything you're supposed to be doing and I'm not getting the results that I should, I think, get. Right. Oh, I must have a love monster. I have to do that again. So I dug up the love monster, which really, truly, honestly, was way bigger, more painful, more dangerous than any money monster I ever had. It became crystal clear to me that my life pattern with love was love wanted to kill me by breaking my heart, betraying me, getting my hopes up and dashing them down and rejecting me over and over and over again. And I made that just it was such a big monster, it was almost as big as the planet. And I had to destroy that. And I met my husband two months later. I had made a decision 10 years earlier, one of the best decisions in my life to stop pretending not to know for two years what I knew by the second date and honestly knew by the first date. And as soon as I made that decision, it was like every guy that I went on a date with had an expiration date above his head. Oh my God. Most of them were that date. The convenience of being the privilege, honestly, besides all the social privilege of being a cis hetero female, rolled the dice. For those of us who date guys, guys are easy to read. They let you know who they are. They, unless they are a professional con man, which does exist, but by and large, Guys are just way too clueless to hide mm-hmm. the red flags, mm-hmm. the racist guy, the guy living with his mom, the guy who told me his entire sexual history and named names and said horrible things about every woman. Yeah. You know, at a certain point, uh. you can't say, but he's cute and he has potential. You just 
that's the great thing about like getting older. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a drinking problem, but yeah, I've been on that ride before. So you, that's what I love about getting older. I, I used to have a podcast with my husband for 18 months called Crazy Sexy Midlife Love. And the premise is that love gets so much better in midlife because we're smarter and men are more relationship ready. And if they're not, you can tell. Next. So I kept dating guys who had expiration dates above their head. And some of them were like, oh, he's really nice. It'll never work out. But he's nice. So we'll date for a few months because it's good practice for me to be with somebody who's nice. Oh my and then something would happen at the three month mark and poof, it would be gone. And then I met my husband. And there was no expiration date. It wasn't like, whoa, for either of us on the first date. It was just like, well, he's cuter than his photo. There you go. <laughs> and <laughs> and I'm really comfortable with him. And I had this experience. Our first date went on for six hours. Oh, wow. We met in a bar. Neither of us had any alcohol. We just were those horrible customers. Oh, you're taking up my bar seat. Right. Drinking yeah. at a, in a booth, drinking a lot of water, maybe some iced tea and eating a lot of pistachio nuts. And maybe at some point, because it was six hours, we actually ordered a meal. But what really stood out for me was that at no moment did I feel like I needed to impress him. I didn't need to show off or be entertaining because I felt safe with him. Oh, wow. I, we could just talk. And, and he was cute enough that I would have another date with him. He's so funny because he thought that his experience of the date was that I was cute and he thought I might sleep with him because I was bored. <laughs> do women do that? I, like, I thought I, we had to be like excited and, you know, <laughs> to, I don't know. Really I don't know. Right. The, the boys are so weird. And we kept dating and not sleeping together, by the way. Uh, but the, he got cuter and cuter. And the more I learned about him, the more his secrets came out, the more right they made him for me. He teaches Kabbalah. And that might make somebody else scared or run away, but I studied Kabbalah in college and that made him more mm. right for me. He has a daughter. I wasn't looking for somebody with a kid because I wanted to get all the attention. But the daughter lived with her mom most of the time. And the way he showed up for his daughter, like he would wake up at 5 a.m. in Los Angeles and drive down to San Diego to drive his daughter three blocks to the first day of junior high and then hop in a car and spend five hours driving back. And that let me know what kind of a man he is. And that made him more bright for me. And then finally, it got to the point where I just wanted to sleep with him so much that you know, we became exclusive and got, yeah, well, and even that I made a decision about a year into the relationship. I wasn't in a rush. I just was like, oh, we're going to get married. When he asks, I'll say, yes, he's the one because still no expiration date. And I was so happy with the way things were that I was like, I thought, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll date for about four years, I think. And then he ruined everything. Because at 18 months, I had just finished doing my goddess retreat in Bali and he was on a, he's a travel journalist. So he was in South Africa shooting animals with his camera. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> right. And, and getting up at 2am to cross the brush and almost get eaten by a lion to get on a really bad internet connection and have a five minute Skype call with me. And that was how he figured out that I was the person I just knew he had to almost die to, you know, <laughs> figure it out because that's the difference between men and women. Yeah. And he proposed years Skype? ahead of my schedule. Oh, wow. When I was on Skype. Yeah, he did. Oh, geez. Okay. Oh, worse than that. We had a week of conversations on Skype. This is, by the way, we're like going into the fourth hour of this interview. You're going to have to break it up. Um, 
every for a week, every conversation on Skype started with, I think you're the wrong woman for me because. And I would want to die. And then we would have a conversation and then he'd say, "Okay, I really want this to work. I'm only having this conversation because I really care about you and I and I want us to stay together. And I'd be like, and then the next day. I think I'm the wrong man for you because, and we would go through the whole thing and we went for a week like that. And then it ended with, I think we should get married. What? He was working out, he was working out all the kinks, I guess. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just more evidence that men are really annoying. Yeah. Um, Audie's doing this amazing thing with you now. Well, that's, that's the punchline. By the way, on our second date, he told me he didn't believe in marriage, but would probably get married oh. again because he'd been married before. So he proposes, I fly home, you know, early, I pick him up from the airport, we elope, and I think, bucket list, complete, married. (laughs) And the the reason I say he was going to, he ruined everything is because as soon as he asked, like, all of my own commitment issues, like, came bubbling up in that second. Because you probably don't get to be 47 years old and never married if you don't have commitment issues. Right. I had been asked before, but I'd never gone through with it. Um, but I'd made the decision. So I was going to do it. And so we have this elopement because I'm 47. And I think that all that bother of like renting a venue and a DJ and food and ugh, mommy and daddy aren't going to do it. I'm not going to be the princess. I'd rather spend the money on travel buy a house because for the cost of a wedding, you can do that stuff. So we elope, we call our parents then we post it on Facebook. Then we go downtown to buy wedding rings. And two weeks later, my husband has a trip to Puerto Vallarta scheduled because he's a travel journalist and he calls them up and says, Hey, I just got married. Can I bring my wife? And they say, great, make it a honeymoon. And it was. Oh, wow. We stayed at the Marriott Hotel with the view of a lifetime of the bay. I swear, anybody watching or listening, go to Puerto Vallarta, get a room high up in the Marriott and make sure it faces the bay. The bed is like, that's what you wake up to. You're looking at this view. and. We've stayed in ridiculous places. We stayed in a 2,000-year-old palatial cave hotel, probably the most in, in Turkey, like probably the most beautiful, romantic, exotic room we've ever had. But for view, the Marriott, in my opinion, still takes the cake. Anyway, so we go down to, we're in Puerto Vallarta, and they drop us off downtown. And we're walking by their iconic cathedral, Our Lady of Guadalupe. And my husband is a lark, says, hey, you want to get married again? And me not being an idiot says, of course. So (laughs) we are sweaty, filthy, gross. We just had a massage. Oh, yeah. Dress nice. And we go into this cathedral and we go to the front and we take off our rings. And we exchange brand new vows on the spot in the moment. And the stuff Devin said, my husband Devin said, went so much deeper. I felt like the first time we said vows, I was just winging it, making it up. What did I know about marriage? It was just like spitting into the dark. Mm -hmm. And this time it was like, I've been a married woman for 13 days. I know a little something (laughs) about it. And the stuff he said was the stuff he forgot to say the first time. And I felt so loved and it felt so real. And we had a bunch of witnesses. Oh, strangers on the edge of their pews. Yeah, yeah. And when we kissed, they cheered. And it was wonderful. And that was what gave my husband the idea And he proposed within a day, let's get married a hundred times in a hundred countries in mosques and temples and yurts and standing stones and whatever. So we've been married on bridges and we've been married in castles and towers and in a 700 year old house in Turkey where somebody borrowed, borrowed in air quotes. uh, I'm sure I'm sure they returned it. 
costumes from a museum and dressed us up. And I came, I rode in on a horse and my horse had its own little horse following it into this courtyard where the minister of culture of Turkey married us. And we were married in Manzanillo, Mexico, because the host of a book award event wanted me to be a speaker. And she bribed us by saying, and we'll marry you. And I thought, great, she'll just like read a little script in the corner in between stuff. But I get down there and she has an anthropologist who has put together this huge all night event with 40 Mayan dancers and incense and ritual and song and a pinata and a dancing horse and and this 10 year old lasso champion. So like I expected none of it and it's all frosting. And at the end of the day, sometimes we're married by that young girl at the front desk of our hotel in the cafeteria of that hotel or something. Yeah. It, and by the way, she was wonderful. She's the Serbian girl who was quoting Dean Martin. <laughs> and she's making up what she says. And at the end of the day, it really just comes down to we are carving out time in our lives to say, this is sacred. This is, you are my priority. This is what I want for you. This is what I want to bring to you. This is why I love you. And we just go to that place over and over and over again. And so we don't forget why we are together. And by the way, it does get deeper and more meaningful every time because we've had fights. And we know what drives each other crazy, Mm -hmm. right? And we choose each other anyway. So anybody watching or listening, I, I say, do it. You know, you're free to steal this, do this. Just go places and get married again. What number are you on now? We are 25 weddings deep. Our last wedding was in Lisbon, Portugal in 2019. Uh, we were going to get married in Chile, Argentina and Uruguay next month. but because of the new variant, it's too uncertain. Like it would be such a drag to get down there and then have the borders close. Right, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, you know, the countries will still be there in six months. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, oh, that's so cool. All these, you're just such a interesting person for lack of a better way to put it. I don't know, but so much fun. If you had something to share with everyone about how you, how does each day, how do you, how do you harness each day with your Mm -hmm. energy and your passion? Do you, we all have those days where you're like, "Eh, I'm good under the covers. I don't really feel like dealing with this or that. How do you keep yourself going and and so positive and doing all this for everyone else? Because you're serving others. Well, that feeds me. I am way happier and I'm way more excited about life when I have something on my calendar, you know, a client or an interview like this, that's really, or, or something worth doing. Like I have this yoga class that I go to that's on the beach in Long Beach with this one middle-aged teacher who I just love her. She's like, do this if it feels good. If it doesn't right. feel good, don't. don't do yeah. <laughs> Those are my favorite teachers too. Yeah. yeah. So you, you just, you have to have something you look forward to. I think, you know, we talk a lot about retirement, but retirement is dangerous. Like there's a very, you, people die when they retire. Right. We need, we need a purpose. We need a project. We need something that we need something to get up for. and. There are practices for those challenging times where the world just looks like a mess. Like Mm -hmm. I'm sure nobody knows what I'm talking about. And here, here are some really great little tricks. I like to practice preemptive gratitude. Preemptive gratitude. Yeah. Yeah, Like being grateful for what's here already is great. Not, you know, there's nothing but good, but there's actually a magic 
to being grateful for the good stuff that hasn't happened yet. It's almost like it's lubricating the wheels of the universe mm-hmm. to get you there. And it builds your own sense of optimism, which makes gives you more energy and makes you more functional. Yeah. So I, I love to make a list of the great things that I'm grateful for that are going, going to happen, even if I don't have evidence of it yet. And every day I check in with myself and I journal, do I have any negative thoughts or negative beliefs that are showing up today? And I write them down and then I write my money honey's response. And that is my favorite thing in the world. It's the more, if I can come up with something for my money honey to engage in most of the time, my money honey just has a huge sense of humor about my insecurities, humor with love. Give me an example. Do you have an example? Oh yeah. Like every time I'm going to do something uh, that the, the seven-year-old who nobody showed up for her birthday party come, pops up. Oh, nice. Nobody's going to say yes to my program. nobody loves me. Like right now I'm launching a program and the only people who know about it are the people I'm inviting because they've been my clients in the past and they love me. (laughs) Right. Um, And I just, because I've been like the crazy ex-girlfriend coach missing all these clients, I was just like, this is stupid. Why don't I just invite them and we'll do something together for a year. So I don't have to miss them all the time. Cause they like me too. But Oh, nobody's going to say yes. And my money, honey, finds that just the funniest shit ever. And, you know, (laughs) and says, and just says, oh, sweetheart, you are loved. You're going to have the perfect group. Relax. It's taken care of. We have your back. Okay. And are, you have to somehow come up with that. How are you coming up with that? Uh, it's sort of automatic, like automatic. Yeah. Okay. And they I call it automatic it. writing. Like Neil Donald Walsh did his whole book, automatic writing with God. Yeah. If you ask a question, you get an answer. Just so I, I just make it a dialogue between myself and my money, honey. I could call the voice higher self. I could call, but if it's higher self, it still feels like me. I could call it God. I could call it anything. It's still useful for me to call it money, honey, because relationship with money is a lifelong relationship for me. Your door. I, I, yeah, I do believe that healing relationship with money is a matter of life and death for our species. Mm, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. We can see it with, You know, when we have economic reasons to not abate climate catastrophe, that's insane. That's suicidal. We need to make money our partner on making the right decisions. And it always starts with the individual and it ripples out. Oh, so well said. So well said. Morgana, I don't even, we're going to have to have you on again. There's just so much good stuff here. I I love everything that you said today. Um, And thank you for sharing all that information, especially about the intimate stuff with you and your husband and and doing what you're doing now and opening up your heart to the love, slaying your money, bad guy. I mean, gosh, it's so interesting. And it's really made me think. I'm going to recommend everyone grab a copy of your book and, and read it. Yeah, yeah, there it is in the actress, Savannah. Savannah <laughs> I took a class to learn how to do this. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. To hold it up by my face like a cereal box. Yeah, the book is on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart. Uh, oh, super insider secret. If you go to my website, MorganaRay.com, not yeah. only is there, you know, a four part video series and there's my money love quiz. But there, if you look at the menu and and you click on the book, Mm -hmm. you will see, and this is not inside the book, like the book has free gift inside and there is a link inside to um, an audio class because there's stuff that 
the book has stuff that we didn't cover, but there's also an emotional and energetic tone that the written word can't have. Uh, So there's a link in there, but there's a link that nobody on Amazon and Walmart and Barnes and Noble know about. Oh, so we should go to your website. Yeah, go to my website and enter after you buy the book because it's really only useful with the book. Uh, Enter your name, email address, and your receipt number, and you will get a bonus, I think it's 90 minutes or two hours Q&A call that I did where people brought up actual questions that they that came up for them when they were doing the process and doing the book. Um, So this, again, will help you get more value from the book. Just buy it wherever you buy it. Better than a workbook, like going over it. Yeah. And you can find links inside at the book page. You can find a link to buy the book in the U.S. or the U.K. or Canada, I think. Um, And then come back and put in your receipt and get the Q&A for the stuff that comes up once you're in it and you discover what you don't know. Because you don't know what you don't know. Well, that's such a good idea. And it's spelled Morgana Ray, M-O-R-G-A-N-A-R-A-E. Dot com. Oh, dot com. Yeah. But I want to make, <laughs> make sure people didn't put R-A-Y or something so they spell it correctly right. um, to get to your website. That's really important. Because Morgana is such a common name. Such a common name. But you were named after a goddess or something? I was named after King Arthur's sister, the sorceress, who I think was based on earlier goddesses. Uh, but yeah, my father liked a jazz singer named Morgana King, and my mother liked the idea of naming me after a powerful sorceress. So there you go. I, I am a sorceress who cannot sing. <laughs> <laughs> but you are doing such great work with so many people. And the fact that you want to help everyone is huge. And um, I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to read your book. And um, I think we're just going to have to have you back on. I Anytime. Oh, you're awesome. I'd love Thank that. Thank you so much for your time. We could talk forever. You have so much good stuff to say. I wrote, I wrote notes while you were talking. Because you threw out some more really great one-liners. Um, so we'll include some of those in the in the show notes. And until next time, breathe in your second win. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, Make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.